You're listening to Hamilton Shot by Shot. I'm your host, Brian. I'm your co-host, Rose. And today we are discussing the song... What Did I Miss? Well, what did we miss? We did the whole musical so far, so we didn't miss anything. That's true. I'll tell you what we did miss, though. What? Our listeners while we were on our intermission. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I didn't miss them. I'm just kidding. So we are in Act 2 now. So (laughs) technically... Uh, we are reviewing song number one of Act Two. Yeah. And that is What Did I Miss, as Rose so eloquently stated already. And that starts at one hour, 16 minutes, 35 seconds. And it's approximately three minutes, 57 seconds long, basically four minutes. Yeah. So one thing I want to do, if I can, I'm not going to promise I'm going to do this every time. I want to reference Ron Chernow's book. I've been digging away at that. So it's it's a fascinating book. Hopefully I can, you know, add some facts from that book specifically in addition to the other stuff that we find in our research. Yeah. All right, great. Basically, this song is sung by the whole cast, but who's the main guy? Uh, David Diggs, who plays uh, Thomas Jefferson. Well, wait a minute. I'm confused. David Diggs was Lafayette. Well, yes, but Lafayette isn't in this anymore, and who else would play Jefferson? (laughs) That's true. Well, what do you say? You want to get into it? Yep. All right. No. All right. Really. Well, we're doing it anyway, so here yeah. we go. Uh, so basically, the, the cast starts off with 17, 1789. Mm-hmm. As we know, that's when the Constitution was ratified and all that good stuff. So we got a new government, right? Yeah. Okay, so then we get Aaron Burr uh, doing his normal narrating, you know, being the narrator of this song, or uh, of the story, I should say, not the yeah. song. Musical. And of course, references something from the very beginning. How does a B-word, orphan, immigrant, decorated war vet unite um, the counties through more it's debt? a colorful metaphor. Colorful metaphor, exactly. <laughs> Fight the other founding fathers till he has to forfeit. Have it all, lose it all. You're ready for more yet. I was When I, when I was thinking about it today, he's basically giving a spoiler of what's going to happen in Act 2 with that like initial paragraph, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because he's basically saying, you know, he's going to start fighting the other founding fathers. He's going to have it all (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he's going to lose it all. Spoilers for anybody who doesn't know history. He says, Treasury Secretary, Washington's the president. Every American experiment sets a precedent. And that's true. That's something that Washington was very aware of. Like the cabinet was not in the Constitution. That's something Washington created. There was only four members of the cabinet. Now, I think, uh, now, don't quote me, but it's anywhere from like 13 to like 16 people in the cabinet right now because as time goes on, the country got bigger and we need more and more stuff. Yeah. I'm going to write that down and quote you. Yeah. Okay. Please do. <laughs> I thought you said don't. <laughs> well. And then you said please do. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm, I'm very inconsistent, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah, so Washington also, this is another thing about that Washington did I thought was neat. He tried to stay above the politics, even though he may have agreed with Hamilton and was like a Federalist and all that. He tried to make it be like the president should be above the infighting and above like partisan bickering. Now, that's not the case now. The president gets all in on the bickering and partisanship now. But, you know, Washington was trying to establish like, hey, I need to be above this. And especially early on, you would think you would want that because he's trying to unify everybody, you know, on, on this new, like they want it to succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody knew it was going to last this long, you know? Anyways, let's let's get back to the song. Not so fast. Someone came along to resist him. Peed him off until we had a two-party system. Colorful metaphored him off. 
You haven't met him yet. You haven't had the chance because he's been kicking butt as the ambassador to France. But someone's got to keep the American promise. You simply must meet Thomas. Thomas. And then we get the so whole... So his name is Thomas Thomas. Thomas Thomas. First name is Thomas and his last name is Thomas. That's right. Yep. No, it's actually Thomas Jefferson and <laughs> he's coming home as they tell us over and over again. <laughs> uh, Five times. And then it's the Lord he's been off in Paris for so long. Ah, ooh. Right? Ah, ooh. They didn't say it that They terrible. didn't say ah, ooh. They didn't say it that terrible. Ooh, ah? No. They just... Ooh, la, la. Maybe some of the ladies no. said that about him. All right. So, anyways, oh what do you what do you know about Thomas Jefferson, um, in general? He's on money, but I forget which money. The two dollar bill, I think. My goodness! Now I'm blanking myself. All right. What else do you know about Thomas Jefferson? He wrote the Declaration of Independence. Very good. Yes, he did. That's basically I kn- all I knew before I watched this musical. Okay. I and, think. And what did you, there's maybe something else you could have learned from this musical. Maybe later. Was he ever president? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that comes up later. So we'll have a, we'll have a deeper discussion about our third president later on. I can't believe I forgot he was president. <laughs> well, Thomas Jefferson, he was born April 2nd in 1743 in Shodwell, Virginia. He died July 4th, 1826 in Monticello. Virginia. Monticello. Monticello. You are terrible with names. French Monticello? word. Monticello? Monticello, right? Monticello. Mon- it's Monticello. That's you what said I said Monticello? the first time. All right. Yes, yeah. but you said it weird. <laughs> you want a little, I'm going to do a little Brian's fun fact right now. All right. His best buddy, who would mm-hmm. he would actually fight for a while and then make up with John Adams. Mm-hmm. I know him. Personally? <laughs> John Adams. Him and Thomas Jefferson, they were good buddies, had a falling out because of politics. As they aged, they started, they rekindled their friendship. They literally sent letters to each other daily. Mm-hmm. They both died on the same day, July 4th. Yeah. So I Who thought it was- died first? I don't remember. There's a miniseries on HBO called John Adams, and they, they cover that. Some of their final words were actually about their friendship with yeah, each other as yeah. they died. And I really can't remember who died first, honestly. I think um, Thomas Jefferson died first. He might have. Yeah. And he said something about... Oh, like John's no. going to outlive him or something? Wait, no. John Adams died first, I think, and then John... No. Then Thomas Jefferson said something about John Adams still being alive because he didn't know he died Oh, yet, right. Okay. I think. Yeah. You know what? That Something like that sounds familiar. Maybe maybe we'll get to that um, later when we get to John Adams. <laughs> we'll... We'll say we'll put a pinhole in that and, and circle back around to that later when we mention John Adams and we'll 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 get that fact straight. Mm-hmm. But for right now, um, Jefferson was the one-time uh, Virginia governor. Mm-hmm. He actually he actually fled. Um, oh, what's the name? Uh, Richmond when the British were coming and mm-hmm. Je- uh, Washington was a little annoyed with him because he said, "Hey, the British are coming, so you should fortify it." And he just left, like he gave up <laughs> Richmond. He was uh, the founder of the University of Virginia, and he's a, he was the architect for it. He was also the architect for Monticello. He uh, he loved his books so much. Either towards the end of his life or like after he died, they sold all his books to the Library of Congress. Even though he was in debt at, at, as he aged, he was in a lot of debt. He still kept buying books because he's like, I can't do it without my books. <laughs> he was a very shy. So opposite of Hamilton, he was actually very shy and quiet, but he could write. He could write really well. David Diggs plays him very 
boisterous and flamboyant and confrontational. Mm-hmm. You know, a good foil for Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. David Diggs is like on a whole other level. He's like, he's chewing David? scenery. David Diggs is chewing scenery like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. He's great. I really like him as Jefferson. Uh, you know, as you stated, he drafted uh, Declaration of Independence. He was the first Secretary of State on Washington's cabinet, in Washington's cabinet. He was the second Vice President of the United States and went on to be our third president. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Louisiana Purchase? I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. Well, at the time he was president, France was in a war and they sold like a good portion of their land to the United States. And we like more than doubled our existing land from that purchase. So somebody who was wanted a small agrarian like way of life, he doubled the size of the country, you know, like overnight by that purchase. So interesting, right? As we get into, he spent five years as the American ambassador to France. He replaced Ben Franklin in that role. And he actually returned on October in October of 1789. So that brings us up to speed. Let's get back to <laughs> the um, uh, the song. So we get David Diggs as Jefferson singing. France is following us to revolution. There is no more status quo. But the sun comes up and the world still spins. I helped Lafayette draft a declaration. Then I said, I got to go. Got to be in Monticello. Now the work at home begins. So what did I miss? A couple of things I want to point out. First off, I think it's funny he's about talking about the character he played, right? Lafayette. Yeah. <laughs> so Jefferson is talking about his act one character. Secondly, so on July 11th, and this would have been 1789, Lafayette presented the French National Assembly a declaration of rights. And on July 14th, 1789, things got bloody. (laughs) It's known as Bastille Day. It's basically the French Independence Day. Unfortunately for the people in power at the time, their heads started appearing on spikes and pikes and (laughs) and it got bloody. They were guillotining people and cutting heads off left and right, which we get into later. So what did he miss? And then the song picks up when he says that, right? Because it was like kind of mellow. And then he's like, what did I miss? He's like, Virginia, my home sweet home. I want to give you a kiss. I've been in Paris meeting lots of ladies. I guess I basically missed the late 80s. I traveled a wide, wide world and came back to this. Whenever people say the 80s, I think of like the 1980s. I've never heard of anybody talk about the 1780s and call it the 80s. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple things here. He's talking about meeting a lot of ladies, right? Mm-hmm. So I learned that Jefferson's wife had died at the age of 34. I think her name was Maria. I didn't think he ever had a wife. He did. He had a couple. He had multiple kids, and only two of them lived. Do you know how she died? I forget. Oh. Uh, yeah, like they had a, like a lot of their kids passed away. That's sad. Yeah, it is. He never remarried, so he was very flirtatious, and he was very flirtatious with married women. He did not care if they were married or not. There's one woman that he kind of sought after and flirted with, and so a name that we might know. Have you ever heard of Angelica Church? No. You might know her better as Angelica Schuyler. I still don't know who that is. I'm just kidding. I know who both <laughs> them are. I knew you knew it as Church anyways. Well, if... I didn't really know anything about this musical or anything like that. I wouldn't have known who she is. Mm-hmm. Or even Angelica Schuyler. I wouldn't know who she was if I never watched this musical. True. Same here. But apparently she went to France the same time that uh, Jefferson was over there. Uh, they were very friendly with each other, very flirtatious. Uh, never went anywhere. She declined his obvious uh, <laughs> flirt flirting. But at one point he did write to her and he was like, 
hey, I'll come to New York and we can go to Niagara Falls together. Or if you want to come up to Virginia and stay at my place, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Because <laughs> she's married, but he didn't care. So so they were like friends, but a lot she of people didn't like really him. like him like that. Not like that, yeah. yeah. But they uh, still liked each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrote each other from time to time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Do you have uh, any specific letters? Like, do you know what it said? Or no, I got all this from Ron Chernow's book, and it didn't. I don't recall it getting into anything super specific like that. In fact, um, I mean, there's more details there. I, I recommend anybody read the book if they, you know, they, if they get a chance. All right. So then he continues. There's a letter on my desk from the president. I haven't even put my bags down yet, Sally. Be a lamb, darling. Won't you open it? So, do you know who he's referring to when he says Sally? Yes. Okay. Enlighten me. Before you tell me, I'll, I will confess that I should have known better. And I was just, I just let that line wash over me and I did, it didn't register what he was truly saying. And then all of a sudden it clicked one day. <laughs> so what do you know about Sally? Wasn't she like his, she was his slave. Yes. And her brother, I think was one of the chefs or something. Yeah. I mean, he, I think there was maybe five members of her family that were slaves under Jefferson. And didn't he have a relationship with her? Yes, he did. Yeah. So that's that's why she's super famous. She had kids with him. Oh. And and they were acknowledged eventually. So yeah, so I got a little bit about Sally. She's interesting. I, I'm going to link some information from Monticello.org about her that's going to get way more into it. She's a very fascinating person. So her name was Sally Hennings. She was slaved owned by Jefferson, of course. You just said that. And the Henning family was owned by Jefferson's wife, you're Prior. saying Hennings. It's Henning. Hemmings. Henning. Henning. It's he- with an M, not an N. Sally Hemmings. Oh, right. You're right. Oh, my goodness. I miswrote it. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me yet again. Yeah. Sally, because I, I, I want to give credit to the woman because, again, she's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sally Hemmings. She and her family were, they came under Jefferson's service because Jefferson's wife inherited them when her father passed away. And when she passed away, he got Yeah, they, they, they transferred to him. This is something I learned in Chernow's book. I did not know this before, but she was very light-skinned. She had straight hair. And some of the other slaves had mentioned she pretty much looked white. Oh. So one of the things that it was believed, and I don't know if it was ever proven, that she could have been the half-sister of Jefferson's wife. Jefferson's wife's father, his father-in-law, might have had a relationship with Sally's mother. I didn't know that. But at 14 she accompanied Jefferson's daughter to France. And while she was there, she was technically free because I think, I, I, I don't know, but I thought France freed their slaves before America did. I could be wrong, but she was, probably either way, she was free at the time. But she returned to Virginia with Jefferson as a slave and, and she like agreed to it. I mean, I, I think she protested and all that, but she was smart and she negotiated with Jefferson some extraordinary privileges that, your average slave would not have gotten at that time. And one of those privileges is freedom for any of her children. So if she ever has any kids, they're free. And then she was, she went from, I think originally she might've been in the fields, but she became a house servant and was a lady's maid. And she was known as Maria's maid. Sally Hemings um, had at least six children fathered by Thomas Jefferson. Four survived to adulthood. You know, decades after their initial negotiation in France, Jefferson freed all of Sally Hemings' children. She had two of them that left in the 1820s, and then two more uh, were freed when he died in 1826. Like back then, how would you know if um, somebody was a freed slave? 
Well, I don't know, but I saw, I saw, I mean, again, this is why I'm going to link it in the article because it's way too much information. But at one point, I think her and some of her children were listed as white on a census bureau and they were freed at some point. I, I don't, again, there's, there's way too much in there, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. Like, even if those kids were like, you could not tell that they were African-American in any way, shape or form. It doesn't matter. Legally, they were slaves because their mother was a slave. So I don't know. There must've been a legal apparatus in place to you know officially declare their freedom it might get into it more in this article again i'm going to link it for people to read but it was very fascinating um back in that time if there was somebody who like didn't like slavery and was rich why didn't they just buy every slave and then set them all free honestly there probably was some people that did that i would do that if i lived back then i mean obviously we know i mean there obviously slavery was the law of the land at the time Mm -hmm. but there were people that were against it. Mm-hmm. Your John, uh, your John Lawrence, your Hamiltons. Yeah. You know, they were abolitionists. There were, I mean, that's why. That's why eventually it took a while. It took too long, yeah. but it, that's why eventually it went away because there were people in the country that were like, "This is immoral. It's wrong." Yeah. All right. So it says the president's assembling a cabinet, and that I'm to be Secretary of State. Great, and that I'm already Senate approved. I just got home, and now I'm headed up to New York, heading up to New York, heading up to New York. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jefferson, it makes it sound like Jefferson accepted right away, right? It does. He did not. <laughs> How long did it take? He didn't accept until mid-February of 1790. So he got home in October. This, that, it was true. It was already, he was already approved by the time he got back. He thought about it for many months. It wasn't until February before he accepted. But I do like this part. So what they do is like he gets up on this, the uh, um, Jefferson, that is, gets mm-hmm. up on the, the stairs that moves around yeah. and they start like rolling him across the stage like he's in a stage coach. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. Yeah. And he's like looking at the rolling fields. I can't believe we are free, ready to face whatever's awaiting me in NYC. But who's waiting for me when I step in the place? My friend James Madison, red in the face. He grabs my arm and responds, what's going on? Ah, <laughs> Thomas, we are engaged in the battle for our nation's very soul. Can you get us out of this mess we're in? Hamilton's new financial plan is nothing less than government control. I've been fighting for the South alone. Where have you been? Uh, France. (laughs) We have to win. I thought that that's a hilarious line. And he's so funny because he's just like, you know where I've been. (laughs) Chernow noted at the time... That Jefferson, when Jefferson arrived, Madison had been fighting Hamilton in Congress about the assumption of the debt, you know, the national debt. That was a big thing. And at the time, Hamilton presented this um, plan of like, hey, you know, federal government's going to assume all the debt. And of course, this comes up again later, you know, but at the time, and then Madison was like, no, no, no. Hamilton's plan was called assumption. Madison's plan was called discrimination plan. Not like discriminating against people, but it's like all finance stuff. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton basically won that round. His thing was accepted. Uh, so this one thing I also thought too is like Hamilton had huge respect for Madison. He thought because obviously they teamed up together to write the Federalist Papers. They both supported a strong federal government. They wanted the Constitution. But I forget where it turned. Where Madison was like, "Whoa, whoa hold on though, you're you're going too far here with this," you know. And they and he had a disagreement. But I I read somewhere that he said Hamilton may not have even taken the job of Secretary of Treasury, if he knew that him and Madison were going to be at odds. I thought that was neat. And it's interesting because, you know, politics gets can, can muck stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they go, and what did I miss? What did I miss? Head first into a political abyss. I had my first cabinet meeting today. 
Chickapow. They say that a few times. <laughs> I guess a better thing, uh, I better think of something to say. And I'm already on my way to get to the bottom of this. And what did I miss? And then, of course, George Washington walks up. Mr. Jefferson, welcome home. And then Hamilton like gets in front of <laughs> in front of Washington and he's like, Mr. Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> like he's he just has to like be the first to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I read too is that Actually, these two were very cordial with each other at first. So they kind of make it look like, you know, Jefferson's like, well, who's this guy? You know, he's just coming out of nowhere, coming at me like that. Uh, he said, no, they were very cordial. In fact, uh, Eliza and, and uh, Hamilton hosted a welcome home dinner for Jefferson at their home. Oh. Yeah. And he said, Jefferson got to know Eliza, you know, decent. And he would tease her about how Angelica wouldn't write him enough. And he's like, you got to tell you tell her to write me some more. So they were friendly at first. Hamilton Jefferson traded niceties via notes and letters at first. The the strong-willed, you know, Jefferson was much more mild-mannered when they first, you know, when he first got back uh, from France and all that. So I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But then everybody's like, Mr. Jefferson, welcome home. Mr. Jefferson, welcome home. You've been in Paris long for so long. And then he goes, so what did I miss? <laughs> Boom. And, it's, and then and everybody poses like they do in musicals, like they're going to take a picture that nobody's taking a picture of. I don't think at that musical you can take pictures. It no, says, no, but it it's funny. The, it's like they all pose, you know, like it's yeah. with Jefferson right out in front with the rest of the crew. It's, it's great. I mean, it's great. So real quick before we rank the song. Well, I actually have a fact. Oh, what's your fact? Is this Rose's fun fact or just a random Not fact? Yet. Okay, random fact. So uh, James Madison had malaria and he had poor health. That's why Oak coughed. Yeah, I, 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 we, we skipped over that part. When he when he yeah. walks up, he's like coughing and he has a handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Now, it was funny. Madison was like often, he was only 5'4", a very short man. Mm-hmm. And he was often weighed under 100 pounds. He was sickly most of his life. Yeah. And Oak is a big guy. So yeah. I think they, they use that as like a way to kind of, you know, play up his like small stature and health issues. He had some other issues as he aged. But he did contract malaria sometime around the time he was fighting Hamilton in this, you know, general. So it's kind of like a little nod to that. So that's that's neat. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. Yeah. Real quick though, I wanted I, I found this out, and I this is I mean I guess it's it would have been maybe better to have done this in nonstop, but I want to throw it in real quick um, about why did Washington pick Hamilton for the Treasury? Because Hamilton, Hamilton as Treasury Secretary is going to be the genesis of all conflict going forward, right? Especially mm-hmm. with Burr, um, Madison, and, and Jefferson especially. Well, he wasn't Washington's first choice. He actually wanted a guy named Robert Morris. He was a, a very rich merchant in Philadelphia. And he had pledged all his money to the revolution during the war. He, finan- he helped finance the war. So Washington said, hey, I think, uh, I think you'd be great at this. And he said, nope. Because <laughs> by the time Washington was inaugurated and asked him for to, to join his cabinet, he was already starting to lose some of his fortune. He would eventually end up in a debtor's prison. Like he lost that much. He owed that much money. And it, But instead of going to the Secretary of Treasury, he ended up serving in the Senate for a while. He was the one that recommended Hamilton to Washington. He said, but my dear general, you will be no loser by declining by my declining the secretaryship of treasury, for I can re- recommend to you a far cleverer fellow than I am for your minister of finance in the person of your former aide-de-camp, Colonel Hamilton. He knows everything, sir. To a mind like his, nothing comes amiss. 
there's a kind of another version of what he said to Washington about it. He said, there is but one man in the United States who can tell you that is Alexander Hamilton. And this was in reference to what did we do about this national debt? Mm-hmm. So interesting. Alexander Hamilton accepted the position, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of his friends warned him against doing it because as a lawyer, he'd make more money. As a public servant, he'd make less money. And they thought it was a poor decision, basically. Not only that, but he was going to be the chief tax collector of the new new country. And everybody hates taxes and everybody hates the chief tax collector. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, they were like, is it really worth it? But Hamilton had a call to serve he, and he had some ideas. So Hamilton went to Robert Troop, Troop, T-R-O-U-P, and he asked him to assume his legal business. So what Hamilton basically did is he asked somebody to take over his business because he severed all ties with outside financial benefits and gains. He while he was in public office, he made no extra money from his private, you know, affairs that he had prior to taking a job. Washington, Jefferson, Madison, none of those guys did that. Only Hamilton. Which is probably a good idea because since he's dealing with money, you don't want like even that comes up later. So Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. So So I mean that's it. That's all the facts I have. What do you think of this song? I like it. Let's rate it. Yeah, go ahead. Then I'll do Rose's fun facts. I'd give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I'll put. I'm gonna give it a nine, maybe even a nine point five. Yeah, out you of like 10. this a lot. Yeah, I give it a a nine point five. What a what do I miss? Oh right, I forgot. I give it an eight out of ten. Jefferson's coming home. Okay, <laughs> or we could have rated it as how many ahs do we give it? Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyways, what do you like about the song? It's upbeat. And I like David Diggs's voice. He's fun in this too. Yeah. Like he's hamming it up. I already mentioned that. He's he's chewing scenery. He's having a good time. He's dancing around. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a little character beat. Yeah. You know, Burr, Burr gets to introduce things again. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington gets to, he gets a quick little thing. Hamilton gets to show how abrasive and aggressive he can be. Mm-hmm. Madison gets to be like, I need your help, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um yeah, I, I like it. It's it's upbeat, like you said. And it changes, too, because it's like slow. Ah, you know, we're excited. We're dancing yeah. around. We're having a good time. Aren't we, aren't we just having a- I love when songs are like yeah. that. It's kind of like, a, I don't know if it's like jazzy or whatever, but it's kind of it's kind of cool. I like it. A little. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Um, what You got any Rose's Fun Facts now? Yes. Okay, now it's time for Rose's Fun Facts. You sound like a news reporter. <laughs> we're going to throw it over to Rose <laughs> for her Fun Facts. So, um, the line of France that David Diggs says when Madison or Oak asks him where he's been was improvised. It wasn't scripted, and David Diggs just came up with that. Um, I don't know why he said that. Do you think he just did it to be funny? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. It's perfect timing. And he's like, France? (laughs) And he... Duh. It's like saying yeah. duh. He's like shrugs his shoulder, shoulders and looks at the audience and he's like, you just said I came from France. What do you mean where have I been? <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he meant like where specifically in France. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know, but it's funny. And it's a great addition to the to the song, you know? Yeah. Good moment. There's lots of little moments in, in the, these musicals. Like, like, you know, some of his dancing in this is, is great, some great moments too, you know, like. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love it. And thanks for sharing that because that's hilarious. So mm-hmm. do you have anything else for, for this? I don't have anything else. Do you? I really don't. I mean, I think, I, I think I've already talked enough. So, you know, hopefully uh, we didn't miss anything. I don't think we did. Thank you for listening to Hamilton Shot by Shot.
You can find us on social media at Hamilton Shot by Shot on Instagram and Facebook and also on Twitter at uh, Hamilton underscore SBS. We'll see you next time for our first cabinet meeting. So what did I miss? Boom.